This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. And welcome everyone to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast and exclusive wrestling podcast courtesy of 1037 the game hope you enjoyed the debut episode that was released this past monday i'm ready to keep the big momentum going with this week's show or better yet the second episode of the show and more importantly the second straight episode of the cajun strong style podcast in the first week a lot of it has to do with the fact the way that things kind of work out in the scheduling of programming because this sunday's nxt takeover in your house it's not my house it is your house. It's going to be in your house, so hopefully you enjoy that. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. But I want to start things off with Monday Night Raw because there was a lot of takeaways from it. But I'm going to break down two segments in particular that I just have a lot to say about. And one's positive and one's negative. Because I'm not going to bore you with a whole three-hour rundown because, honestly, who wants to hear me ramble on about a show that had probably two big takeaways and the rest of it's almost like non-consequential. I guess that's the way I'm going to put it. But I'll go ahead and start off with the positives and look at the ongoing angle with Rey Mysterio. Seth Rollins, you're a man of scripture. An eye for an eye. Just the way Dominic said that was absolutely perfect. And I love the fact that they're working the eye injury angle into a potential retirement for Rey Mysterio, a guy who's been in the business for over th- almost 30 years at this point, has been part of WWE since 2002, obviously had some time where he wasn't a part of the company, but still he was part of the company during the Ruthless Aggression Era, a world champion in 06, a first ballot Hall of Famer. But there was something that I just have to say about that promo in general and the way, it's wor- way the injury angle is working. One, it's working perfectly. Number two, it's the fact that it doesn't feel like it's scripted. WWE has promos that are scripted to the letter. The way Rey Mysterio was talking, it felt genuine. It felt real. It wasn't a shoot. It was a work. It wasn't a worked promo. It was a shoot. It felt really good, and it is absolutely fantastic. And it was just a great kind of way to ease Dominic into all this. And again, I think the way they want to do it and try and make Dominic a star is in this angle. And I would love to see it because I think Dominic showed some potential in that run-in during the feud with Brock Lesnar, where I think Rey Mysterio should have honestly retired at that point because it felt like, you know, Rey Mysterio losing to Brock Lesnar and being dominated like he was would have been the perfect ending for somebody like that. The underdog coming up short and really kind of getting his tail and handed to him. More power to him for continuing to do this and having Seth Rollins with this kind of match and this kind of like probably several month angle, it feels very old school. And I love the idea of having Grey Mysterio's eye become the center of this feud and become the center of a potential like couple month feud with the Mysterios to hopefully tide us over until SummerSlam. We get the big payoff where Seth Rollins faces Rey Mysterio, and Mysterio no longer has an injured eye, and it's kind of the last ride for Mysterio. It's the final match of his career, and he's able to go out on his terms and go out on top over Seth Rollins 
even if it's non-title. I like the idea of this. I think it's perfect for Seth Rollins, the Messiah, the Monday Night Messiah whole angle. This is what it's been building to, and I love it. And I'm hoping it can go till SummerSlam, and then we can start talking about what's next for Seth Rollins, what's next for Dominic. Is Dominic going to become a part of this angle to keep it going for a couple more months? But I think we see Rey Mysterio, the payoff will be Rey Mysterio retiring in the next couple of months. That being said, the other thing that definitely kind of burned my beans a lot has to be, without a doubt, Nia Jax. Don't believe the hype. They aren't what they say they are. The old besties and the bright colors and Japanese. She didn't earn the Raw Women's title. She was gifted the Raw Women's title because of hormones. Becky got all pregnant. And then she felt so guilty because she couldn't wrestle anymore. She just gifted it to Asuka. Oh, Asuka here. I mean, I love you. Hugs, kisses. That promo was cringe. It was just overall bad. And bottom line, there was no place for that promo in the WWE. There was no reason why that promo had to even exist. There's no reason why you should be making fun of a female superstar who got pregnant and also had to relinquish the title the way that they did. There was no reason why that ever needed to happen in making fun of the ethnicity. We know that never goes over well. I mean, you saw it a few years, a few years ago with Jinder Mahal, and that was turned into from heat to actual, like, get off of my screen heat. And already people hate Nia Jax, and I am in that camp. I have not been a fan of Nia Jax for a while, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's so much going against her. And it's reminding me of one thing in particular, and it's Mabel. Why am I bringing up Mabel? Because of the fact that he was put in a big position way too early that probably he did not deserve to be in. That's where I'm at in my mind when it comes to what happened on Monday Night Raw. Nia Jax is in a position now at this point where she does not necessarily belong. She's been like injuring people left and right. It all started Becky Lynch and then Kyrie Sane. This is multiple times with Kyrie Sane. She's been injured because Nia Jax is unsafe. She gets gassed way too early. Yes, she's just come back from double knee surgery. I give her the credit. But at the same time, you've got to realize it's time to cut the losses. And this isn't against Nia Jax the person. This is Nia Jax the wrestler. Stop wrestling. Get out of the ring because it's just not working there are several other capable workers. We don't want to see Nia Jax injure another superstar and another. And eventually, we continue to see superstars leave early or have to retire early. In the case of Alexa Bliss, if you forgot about that, Alexa Bliss has been injured over the last couple of years. And she's had to be a little bit more limited. That's why they've put her in this tag team with the, with Nikki Cross. Because that way, you can limit her bump card. That's where we're at. Nia Jax, I feel like, you know... A lot of this is just me saying Nia Jax does not belong in the WWE ring, at least for right now. I think you send her back down to the PC and learn how to wrestle safely, build up her endurance. I'd say that might be the best case scenario out of all this. Rather than firing somebody entirely, it's moving on and saying, hey, we're going to set you up so you can have a longer career 
and not hurt as many female superstars like you've done over the last couple of years because the reputation isn't just bad, it's damaged. A lot like some of the wrestlers she's hurt over the years. Maybe this is a little too much shade. But I think that's where we're at if we're talking about the WWE and their plans for the future with Nia Jax and the women's division. Because if you have Asuka get hurt, now you have to change the title, have the title change hands again. There's a lot of questions, and I don't think there's nearly as many answers as we'd like. CD's going to test his expertise and predictions against someone who's running in and invading the podcast zone. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Quick disclaimer before we get to the interview, and that is this was recorded on Wednesday before NXT when they had the mixed tag match. Like literally five minutes after we did the interview, the tag match happened. I was like, come on, man. How could it happen at a better time? But honestly, it was a great match. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But here's the interview with Harry Broadhurst right now. It's time for a little something we like to do called the run-in each and every pay-per-view week. We're going to get somebody on from a, from a podcast across this great country of ours and talk a little bit about the world of pro wrestling and the big pay-per-view that's going on this week. This week, it's not quite a pay-per-view per se. It's more NXT TakeOver in your house. And maybe you're listening to the show in your house. Definitely not in my house. It's in your house. That's the theme of the show today. But NXT TakeOver going on this Sunday, which first of all is just weird to say. But of course, we're going to go over to the hotline to get the run in with Harry Broadhurst, host of the Reaction Podcast. Harry, how's it going? I'm good, Clint. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. And I mentioned it just a little bit ago. Is it weird to have NXT TakeOver take place on a Sunday? Well, actually, it's not the first time they've done it, though. If you recall, TakeOver 25 was a Sunday as well. Good point, good point. But it just still seems like a little bit unusual compared to... Because I was thinking about it like on Monday night. I was like, oh, hey, NXT TakeOver in your house is on Saturday. And then all of a sudden I see a promo on Sunday. I was like, wait, what? I had to kind of like completely like shift my mindset on that. Well, my big thing is, as much like Samoa Joe, I'm wondering, are we going to give away a house? I hope we get to win a house. I mean, that would be the coolest thing ever, but they need to give us the address to, to mail in with our entry. I mean, we need, to, we need to mail our entries in already. Fun fact, the original house that they gave away on the, um, take, on the uh, In Your House pay-per-view okay. was, won, was won by an 11-year-old kid whose parents probably <laughs> sold it. <laughs> that is amazing. I wonder what happened, ever happened to that 11-year-old kid. Did he ever make it into the wrestling ranks? I think that's a question. <laughs> That we'll never quite know the answer to. But let's get to what's causing all this NXT TakeOver in your house this weekend. And it's going to be a pretty good card. TakeOver cards are always good. They're small in size, but I think they more than make up for it with quality. And I think the match that I'm looking forward to, just because of the fact that it's such a long-build storyline to see Karrion Cross, formerly Killer Cross and Impact Wrestling across the independent world, and Tommaso Ciampa, that's going to be a hell of a fight. I can't wait to see these two go at it. Which way are you leaning on this one? Uh, I think you have to give this match to Karrion. And the reason I say that is because Tomasa's kind of like the gatekeeper of NXT, in a sense. Uh, similar to how a guy like CJ Parker, a.k.a. Juice Robinson, used to be. He's that guy that you face when you're first coming into the company in order to see what you have inside of the ring. If there's more stake to them the sizzle of the entrance that we've seen on NXT television here. I think Scarlett's actually going to be the breakout star of the team, 
but that's because they're so hard up for female talent in NXT right now. That's more than just in ring quality that that has an actual personality. And I think Scarlett can carry the void on both sides of that regard there with both in ring personality as well as in ring talent, because she's come a long way in, uh, in her professional career over the last couple of years as an actual in ring performer. I'd have to agree with you when it comes to Scarlett, she's going to become the breakout star in this duo. Now the big question is, are they going to wind up breaking them apart down the line? We know how WWE, it feels like they're, they're not necessarily keen on having managers unless you're Zelina Vega and maybe a handful of others. Can this kind of thing hold on for the long term? That's going to be the real big question. But when it comes to this match, I'm going to lean carrying across as well simply because of the fact he's such a hot product, hot commodity. How can you not like put him over in a big way up against Tommaso Ciampa. You brought up him being a gatekeeper. I think this is almost a stamp of approval to put a guy like Tommaso Ciampa who has won the title in NXT, and he could be one of those guys, a lot like maybe a Gargano is now, where he's going to be also one of those, I'd say, not quite gatekeeper, more in video game terms, almost a mid-boss. So Karrion Cross gets the win. Tommaso Ciampa moves on to whatever next big feud is going to happen. In regards to your question about uh, Cross and Scarlett, um, when I let you know that I, well, I was ready for us to get started here on the show, I sent you a, a text of Marco, and you responded with Marrow. <laughs> and I kind I kind of worry the same fate might await Carrie and Cross. I hope that's if, not the case. But if, if Vince gets his eyes on Scarlett the same way that he did on Sable back in, say, 96, I think we all know how that story plays out. But again, I think there's a big difference between because you look at Mark Miro, what he was before. He was Johnny B. Bad. He he was he was basically trained and built up as Johnny B. Bad. That was the character he played. And then you have him play Mark Miro. Mark Miro and Johnny B. Bad are two totally different things. When it comes to what you saw with Killer Cross and Carrion Cross, they are both very similar in terms of their character and their persona. So I think you could see Cross, even without Scarlett Bordeaux, not necessarily see that whole Mark Miro situation. Well, I don't think it's a case of Cross fading away as an in-ring talent. I just think it's a case of Scarlett being a breakup star and maybe not ending up with Carrion for long. I can get with that talk right now. Harry Broadhurst, host of the Reaction Podcast. And let's go to the, one of the other matches I think we're all looking forward to. Finn Balor, Damian Priest, not necessarily a match that many of us expected on paper to really pop out at us, but I think this is going to be a solid second match on the card. Where do you lean on this one? I thought Finn Balor was a heel. So it's a little weird to see him feuding with Damian Priest here. I get that the idea behind this is, is to elevate Damian Priest, especially coming off of a pair of losses to Keith Lee. But if the plans for Balor are what the plans are anticipated for Balor to be with him being a long-term main event player in NXT, I think Balor has to win this match. And I'd have to agree with you. I think Finn Balor is going to win this one. And he's probably going to wind up running away with it, and largely because of the fact that I think Damian Priest... You brought up Juice Robinson earlier. To a certain extent, I feel like that's what that's where Damian Priest is. He's in kind of a, a virtual limbo. I've liked I liked his work back when he was in Ring of Honor, and now he's definitely kind of etched a path for himself. But I just don't think he's going to hit that high level that I think a lot of us want to see someone like Damian Priest put together. 
The problem, I think, for Damian Priest is he finds himself similar to an Andrade in NXT, where until Andrade got Zelina Vega to manage him, Andrade was kind of in limbo himself because, yeah, there was a part of the crowd that connected with Andrade, but he wasn't getting the full interaction of the crowd. And I feel Damian Priest comes across very much the same way in that the character kind of connects, but he needs that something extra in order to get it into the upper echelon of NXT. I'd have to agree with you. And let's flip it on over to the women's title match. A match I think many of us are looking forward to. Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai, a hell, all three of them, great talents. Where do you see this one going? Because I think we're interested to just see what the path is when it comes to the NXT women's title and what the future of that is and who winds up wearing, I guess, the proverbial 10 pounds of gold. If you believe the rumors that Rhea only lost the title because her visa expired, then it would make sense to put the belt back on Rhea here. I'm tired of seeing Charlotte on all the shows. I, I've made it clear on the reaction. I'll state it here as well. I think Charlotte is overrated. I do not think she is as good as they, like they want you to think she is. She's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but in my opinion, she is the worst all, total package in terms of the four horsewomen. So what you, that being, sorry, that being said, I kind of like her as the NXT Women's Champion right now because I don't think that Rhea needs the belt. And if you're going to give it to EO, EO's moment needs to come in a singles match. So I'm going to have Charlotte retain here pinning Rhea. And I think that might be the best case scenario when it comes to booking out this match and planning it out is to make sure you do that. But I think the other thing is, you brought it up perfectly. Charlotte Flair is on virtually every single show. I think at the end of the day, if she wins this match on Sunday, that means she's got to be in NXT and kind of be, let's say, quarantined from Raw and SmackDown. It kind of is more than six feet apart from those two programs. Yeah, it's a case of overexposure, in my opinion. It's just too much Charlotte on our screens, especially with her crossing over to SmackDown the last couple of weeks as well. Exactly. I mean, she had a champion versus champion match just this past Monday night on Raw and a lot of other things that have kind of happened with her. But hopefully we can see Charlotte Flair become more of a full-blown NXT talent. I think they could do wonders for her. Actually, she had a pair of champion versus champion matches in the last two weeks because if you recall, she faced Bailey on SmackDown as well. Good point, good point. It kind of slipped my mind. Talking right now with Harry Broadhurst, host of the Reaction Podcast and let's get over to the North American title match. I think this is the one I'm most looking forward to. Mind you, I'm a Johnny Wrestling fan taking on Keith Lee. Obviously, Mia Yim and Candice LeRae are going to be involved in this somehow, some way. Where does, where does your heart lie on this one? Do you see the former Rebel heart or the man who is limitless? Is he, or is he going to be basking in the afterglow of the retaining the NXT North American title? Oh, I really hate the fact that we're doing this match before the main event because this gives away my idea for what's going to happen for the main event. Well, hey, I, trust me, I think we might have the same idea here, but give me your prediction for that North American title match. You know how I kind of referred to Tommaso Ciampa as the gatekeeper? Okay. Johnny Gargano is the star maker in NXT. You get into the ring with Johnny Gargano, and you're a made man in NXT. The thing about it is, though, is the North American title is below Keith Lee. I think Keith Lee drops the North American title here so Gargano can make the next person to win the title. And I would not be surprised to see Keith Lee as your next challenger for the NXT Heavyweight Championship. And I think that it's going to set up what's going to happen with that main event. But when it comes to Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano, 
I gotta lean towards Keith Lee getting that done because I think that I think we're not done with the main story yet. Keith Lee wins, but I think it's gonna be by disqualification. There's gonna be something dirty that's gonna happen to where we see something. Maybe not North American title the next week, but we see a buildup where they face off over the course of a few weeks, and maybe we see a mixed tag match down the road with those two, and then we get to see Gargano-Lee a rematch, maybe inside of a steel cage, maybe to where both parties or both valets or managers aren't allowed at ringside. That way we can see it be settled once and for all. No, No little BS going on. Well, actually, um, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't pull the trigger on the mixed tag match here at TakeOver because I feel like this uh, would have been an excellent way to get both Mia Yim and Candice LeRae on the card. And I think that that mixed tag match, especially if they actually operated as a mixed tag match instead of the standard interject, instead of the traditional WWE men face men, women face women, if they actually did it like the traditional mixed tag match there, I think that's a match that a lot of fans would be super interested in. I think if there's any, like, pairing of people, four people that she could put in an intergender match, I think those are the four that you'd put in. Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, and Keith Lee. We know Mia Yim's done a lot of great intergender matches, but we talk about what Candice LeRae did on the indie scene with that great match alongside Joey Ryan against the Young Bucks in PWG. I was was just about to mention Guerrilla Warfare there, so I'm glad you brought it up. talk right now with harry broadhurst host of the reaction podcast and now we get to the main event adam cole versus velveteen dream adam cole has held the title for a year the big question is can he hold it for a little bit longer because this is the last chance for velveteen dream for the nxt title the first question i'm asked rather than you give me your pick is this going to be a gimmick match is this going to be cinematic like we've seen with a lot of other title matches and big main events over the last couple of months in pro wrestling in general? Well, unfortunately, we already know the answer to that because of the fact that they were recording it out in the parking lot at midnight at, at Full Sail University. Yes. I, I, I'm already sold on this already because I can about imagine how much fun that's going to be with a character like Velveteen Dream. Because if it was anybody else, it'd probably wind up being a lot like the Gargano Champa, the last bell or whatever, whatever they call it, the last beat of the heart, which was really fun. But honestly, this is going to be just more, I'd say more Firefly Funhouse as opposed to what we saw a few months ago with uh, Gargano Champa in that last heartbeat match or whatever they want to call it. But uh, where, do you, where do you lean on this one with this last chance? Who, who comes away with the victor? Uh, one final beat. One final beat. There we go. It was so long and- ago, I've, I've kind of forgotten. It's okay. No worries. Um, and as far as this match goes, um, and despite the rumors that are out there, I, I just I don't I don't see it. My pick to win this match, and still NXT champion Adam Cole, baby. I'm leaning kind of the same way because I would not be surprised if Dream gets called up before long. Because it looks like right here, right now, you look at everybody that's kind of gotten called up. Dominic Dijakovic getting called up. There's a lot of other guys that are Matt Riddle. I would not be surprised if we see Velveteen Dream the following night on Monday Night Raw, or better yet, the night after Backlash, because of course that's the next big pay per view coming up. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's at least in consideration for one of the many call ups that they're doing post Mania. Oh, like let's look at this realistically here. What is there left for Velveteen to do in NXT? 
I mean, outside of winning the title, there's nothing. And I don't even think that he needs the NXT title to solidify his NXT run here. Velveteen's not a... The NXT championship has been kind of a wrestler's championship, and Velveteen's not really a wrestler so much as a character, if that makes sense. He is a sports entertainer in every sense of the word. I'd have to agree with you wholeheartedly. He is a character in every sense of the word. I think it's definitely been a great run for him. And you think about it. This guy came oh. from Tough Enough, and Patrick. he was Patrick Clark. He went from that to Velveteen Dream and has kind of skyrocketed because Patrick Clark wasn't going to draw any dimes. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. There, I have absolutely no problems with him being a sports entertainer. A lot of people look at those as a pair of dirty words, and you can't look at it as such because I think that there is a marketplace for both wrestling, yay, and sports entertainment in current-day WWE. I think there is always a place for it. And before I let you get out of here, I'm going to go ahead and let you have the floor for a moment just to promote whatever you got going on with the Reaction Podcast or any the many wrestling stuff that you kind of do on the side, brother. All right. Well, first of all, before I do that, I want to say congratulations on the Mike Quackenbush interview. Thank you, man. That was a that was a fun interview. The first episode. I have to be honest. I am a massive Shikara Mark, so I'm going to be going back and listening to that as soon as I get the opportunity to do so. The, go check it out. I'm just saying it is it is well worth your time. About 18 minutes of quality talk, not just about like hit the Jakar and everything going on with them, but also about social media amongst wrestlers with the recent passing of Hanukkah and a lot of other just great topics to break down. And I refer you back to the symposium that he did in Philadelphia a couple of years back where Mike Quackenbush summed up professional wrestling as about as eloquently as possible. For those who get it, no explanation is necessary. For those who don't, no explanation will do. <laughs> I like that a lot, but why don't you kind of hit us up with some stuff going on with the Reaction Podcast. You can listen to myself and 411 Mania's Tony Acero every Monday night live at 11.30 p.m. Eastern on The Reaction, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network online at thechairshot.com. You can find the podcast both on the Chairshot website or you can listen live through blogtalkradio.com backslash chairshot radio. That is Myself and 411 Manius Tony Astero as we break down SmackDown and Raw every week, Monday nights live at 11.30 p.m. Eastern on the Chairshot Radio Network. Harry, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road and enjoy NXT TakeOver, not in my house, but in your house. It's not my house either. I have a studio apartment. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to get a ring in here. Yeah, I can about imagine that'd be tough. Even if it's a like 8 by 8 ring, it'd be a struggle. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Clint. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Harry Broadhurst for coming on the program. Absolutely love the conversation that we had. And now before we kind of wrap things up, I'm going to go ahead and look back at Dynamite and NXT real quick. And a couple of big takeaways from each show. I got to say, the way they paid off the Drake Maverick storyline was absolutely perfect. It was one of the moments that I knew was probably coming and they were working this into an angle the entire layoff situation and the way that Video came out not long after, and it was very well produced. It felt like that was going to be an inevitability to where we see Drake Maverick finally win the NXT Cruiserweight title. That didn't happen, though. El Hijo de Fantasma, after some interference, I think that's definitely going to be a big question over the next few weeks of what happened there. Is there now an alliance with Hijo del Fantasma with those mysterious luchadors? I think we're going to see what happens there in the next few weeks. 
but that was really cool. Add the fact that we finally got to see Drake Maverick get a contract opportunity to have a second chance in the WWE because he was pretty much like going all in on everything. And if he wasn't going to win, he was going to be done. But now he has that second chance, has that second shot as an NXT superstar. And hopefully down the road, he does win that NXT Cruiserweight title because I think he's had such a great story over the last few months. I, I'm all the way in favor of a guy like that. Rockstar Spud was absolutely amazing in Impact Wrestling, especially his feud with, e, with EC3. You got to feel for the man, but at the end of the, end of the day, Rockstar Spud, Drake Maverick, whatever you want to call him, he got what he deserves, and that's an opportunity to continue plying his trade. A couple other kind of notes I was at, and I absolutely love the fact that they did prime targets for both the women's match and also for the main event, the Backlot Brawl, which was officially confirmed. We talked about it in the in, in the last segment with Harry Broadhurst, but that was kind of confirmed officially. Honestly, I enjoyed the way they hyped this up. And again, I wish that they would do something like this for NXT TakeOvers, let's say, on like a Saturday, where they do an entire prime target, almost like a UFC countdown. I would love that kind of thing as opposed to, you know, a like traditional pre-show because I think when you look at NXT and how it's presented, it's more of a sports aspect instead of like the sports and entertainment stuff that we see on Raw and SmackDown. When you look at NXT, it's gritty, it's edgy, it's definitely not exactly the sanitary Raw SmackDown type feel. It's got a different feel, so why not give it more of a real big fight feel to NXT takeovers and do a countdown or better at NXT prime target and you do one of those for each takeover and you break down each of those matches in these cool video packages with their training, the regiment. I would love that kind of stuff, to be honest, because honestly, I'd love to goggle, gobble up the content that the WWE has put out in recent years with these guys. Because you know they've got so much footage of them from the time they train to the time they make their debut. There are so many things that we can talk about, about how the WWE does things and they could utilize that to the fullest extent and they'd be able to make a lot of money in the process and be able to kind of draw drum up a lot of fan base for NXT as opposed to what we see with AEW where we see these road to revolutions. We see the road to full gear and double or nothing. We see all this stuff and it gives you a reason to be hyped up for a big main event, a big fight feel. And honestly, that's the big thing that I love about pro wrestling and how they're trying to be more realistic in a sense in terms of making it feel like a UFC show with the countdowns because that's stuff that, it's stuff that I love because it makes you root for your favorite fighter or root for the guy that maybe you weren't necessarily sure of what this guy was all about I love the stuff that we've seen with the UFC over the last couple of years that being said NXT overall outside of the mixed tag match really was kind of like almost felt like a filler episode. It was all about building towards obviously the Drake Maverick moment, but a lot of it was squash matches and you continue to kind of build up steam for the Damian priest, Finn Balor match, Gargano, Keith Lee. Now you'd see Yim and Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai. There's so much stuff going on with this pay-per-view. I love it, but honestly I could probably just do with the five matches that we talked about earlier in the show but still, very great product overall when you look at NXT last night. I'll give AEW the edge, though, because I liked a lot of what they did. They had a really great matches. You established the revival, and you kind of wiped, wiped away 
the slate. Now it's a clean slate. This team looks like a badass, and I absolutely love the fact that they had that interview and went into it and broke down everybody, and they treated everybody like they were lesser because I think that really shines out, and they are no, they're not here to play buddy-buddy with absolutely anybody. They will dominate the AEW Tag Team Division over the next year, and I think that's a great idea, and it's a great step in the direction for FTR, formerly The Revival, and I can't wait to see what they do in All Elite Wrestling once things kind of really get kick-started. When will we see the the Young Bucks FTR match? I don't know yet. That could probably be a six-month-down-the-road thing. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets pushed back to All Out, and hopefully by that time we'll have AEW shows be live. That's the next big thing. That's the next step in the direction towards getting back to some form of normalcy. And if All Out's going to be in Chicago, that'd be awesome. Another big thing that we learned was the fact that AEW's Fighter Fest is no longer going to be just one night. It's going to be two weeks of Dynamites rolled into one, a lot like what they did with the Bash at the Beach shows at the beginning of the year. Those were really fun, and I think we're going to see the AEW stories kind of start to build towards that. At least for right now, we get to see some of these long-term builds start to really kind of slow burn a little bit more, and I absolutely love that. Again, that's going to be early July. I'm all for that, and honestly, as long as you don't do some of the stuff that you did the last go-round, I think AEW's two-week fighter fest is going to be a perfect situation for the company to really solidify itself as one of those top brands in professional wrestling and not necessarily be all hokey with the gimmicks. Because again, gimmicks can be a great thing, and I am just absolutely loving what is going on with AEW right now. The TNT match between Cody and Jungle Boy was really good. I wish Jungle Boy could have won, but honestly, that would have been too soon. And I think Cody Rhodes is going to continue to have these kind of matches, these open challenges week in and week out to the point where, hey, now we can see this TNT title mean just as much as the AEW title. And Cody Rhodes will make this his own a lot like maybe John Cena did a couple of years ago when he was the United States champion. Overall, if we were to compare the two, I'd give AEW Dynamite the slight edge. NXT had the feel-good moment of the year right now with Drake Maverick winning the NXT Cruiserweight title. But again, I'm going to give solely the edge to AEW Dynamite. And that's going to do it for the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hope you leave a nice review for us. Five stars. If you're in the Tokyo Dome right now, I'd give you a lot of credit for being there, but also give us six stars if you're out there in the Tokyo Dome. More importantly, subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Play podcast. Just search 103.7 The Game. You'll be able to get that, along with all the other great content that we got, like the Louis Prejean podcast, the Rap Game podcast, all of our regular shows. We got so many different things that you can listen to, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>